This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Welcome to Strictly Business. Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, co-editor-in-chief of Variety. Today my guest is Devon Franklin, head of Franklin Entertainment. He's a veteran film and TV producer whose latest effort is Flamin' Hot, which comes out this week from Searchlight and Hulu. I have wanted Franklin to be a guest on this podcast for some time. He's blazed a unique trail in Hollywood as a businessman with a mission and a purpose rooted in a higher calling. He's a producer who has reached the greatest heights of the box office, and he also works on small independent projects. As Franklin explains, he goes where the best stories take him and figures out the business afterward. He's a hands-on, in-the-trenches producer, and that gives him a strong sense of where the business is heading in any given moment. Franklin also gets great insight from working as a motivational speaker and author. He has been guided by his strong Christian faith since he was the age of nine. It's working well for him, as you will hear. Franklin shares his candid thoughts about working as a producer in the streaming marketplace versus theatrical. He also talks about why Hollywood in recent years has shied away from faith-based content and how he hopes to broaden the definition of the genre with his work. He also makes an intriguing argument for the title that qualifies as the biggest faith-based franchise of all time. That's all coming up after this break. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, 
offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing. And of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. And we're back with an interview with Flamin' Hot producer Devon Franklin. Devon Franklin, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, thank you for having me. Honored to be here. Well, I wanted to start out by talking. Um, Devon, you are a increasingly, uh, in- increasingly rare species out there these days, an independent producer who truly works with the biggest studios on big projects, and you also do your own independent projects. I know you work in everything from financing to from creating conceiving the idea to lighting up the financing to being there in the trenches when they're producing and you've done a lot so many films and now i'm seeing a lot more tv on your resume as well let me just start with a kind of a broad question hollywood has been in the throes of a historic transition for Mm -hmm. it's probably going on 10 years right um how are you in your business in the specific areas that you work in how are where are you feeling those changes and where are you seeing the most opportunity mm-hmm. right now and i know that right now is a hard time because <laughs> right. we have writers on strike yes. and you know walking around the streets but but so like setting aside the the specific the specifics sure. of the writer strike where are you seeing the most opportunity for your business yeah you know i mean i think the thing that has changed the most over the years is that, you know, as 
the business is navigating how the business is going to work. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, before it was very, it was, it was very straightforward. You know, <laughs> right. you develop a film, you know, it gets marketed, distributed in theaters. It, that's just, that was the business. So everyone mm -hmm. knew the business and it's always hard to get a yes in our business. And it's always hard to get a movie made. But previously that path was much clearer. Uh, and, and I think it was easier to do business. In this marketplace, it's more challenging because there are so many unknowns. And, and everyone is nav everyone meaning like each studio, each streamer has their own process by which they do business before, you know, yes, of course, Paramount might make different movies than Sony, but at the end of the day, they're all making movies. They all have the same process. Whereas now every studio has a different process. And because there is still a question of, okay, what's theatrical, what's streaming, you know, who's going to show up where, that means the decision-making process, in my experience, tends to be more delayed uh, and a little more mm -hmm. obtuse than mm -hmm. it previously has been. So for me, you know, the opportunities are in remembering that storytelling is powerful <laughs> yeah. and storytelling unites us all. And no matter how the mediums change, what doesn't change is our human connection to great stories. So I just try to stay focused on that. Like, okay, finding great stories and then doing my best to, you know, find, uh, you know, studios or streamers or, you know, companies that I can work with to fund uh, those great stories. Because if I get caught up in the business changing, mm -hmm. I think it, it would cause me to lose sight of what matters most is at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is a great story, period. And the business is always going to change. There's always going to be variables we have to factor in. But that is the most important variable, and I just try to stay very mindful of that. Mm -hmm. I think that certainly you can't go wrong keeping your eye <laughs> on right. the prize of the story. That's right. That's right. Let me ask you, is it important to you, is it important to the final product that when you go into a deal that, you're very, that you are very aware that, that it's settled where it's going. This will be theatrical, and then it will have a window on a streamer, or this is going streaming first, and maybe there'll be an awards run. Like, is it important to you in producing that you know that path? No. Uh, no, it's not important at all. Um, you know, in the film that I just produced, uh, Flame and Hot, uh, when I originally sold the project, you know, we sold it, I sold it as a theatrical. And then, as we were getting closer to making the film, uh, Searchlight wanted to bring in Hulu. And, uh, and so that seemed to make sense. Like, okay, that's great. Mm -hmm. So I, I could have been upset mm -hmm. uh, initially, but I said, you know, I want to be pragmatic and I want to stay agnostic about how these films come to the world. Because if I was financing the films and I was in control of the distribution, then I get to say but I'm not, okay? <laughs> so those that are, hey, I, I get it. They have a point of view, and I'm going to respect that. So like with Flaming Hot, when, it, when the decision came to go to a streamer, I was like, all right, cool. You know, and then now we're going to be on Hulu and Disney+, Plus, which is great. So it's not essential for me personally to know where it's going to end up. And even um, for, the, for the qualitative. I mean, no, no, I'm still making this. It's a story. There right? you go. I'm still going to make a high-quality movie. I'm still going to put the movie together, you know, in the best way possible. Still hire great filmmakers, you know, great actors. So for me, getting the movie made is the win. And uh, ultimately, how it ultimately gets distributed is just a part of the process for me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, certainly, I know people have strong opinions and respect those, but but certainly, especially for a movie like Flame and Hot, yeah, you know, I mean, many millions of people will be able to, with a click, 
check it out on Hulu. Yes. And that, you know, that can't be bad for for getting the story out and having it go into the world. No, I mean, it's it's not bad at all. I think, mm-hmm. you know, there's a difference between preference and pragmatism, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if I had a preference, would I want it to be in theaters? Yes. But, the, you know, me being a pragmatic producer, if streaming is the best way to get this film out, I'd rather have it out in the world than not. So if the decision is between theatrical distribution or not, I mean, you know, streaming, you know, distribution or not, then I'm going to choose streaming because getting the movie made is most important. Uh, And in this scenario, you know, I do feel good about the plan and the marketing and the publicity and, uh, you know, and hopefully the fact that it it is on these platforms will allow it to reach, you know, an even broader, wider audience than it may have been able to reach theatrically. So, you know, it's one of those things that there's no hard and fast rule. You know, I grew up on movies. Uh, I'm a believer in the theatrical experience. I'm a believer in sitting in a theater with people you don't know and having an amazing collective journey mm-hmm. together. I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also recognize we're, we're in a different world and not every movie is going to be seen that way. And I, I can I can live with that. Mm-hmm. What is your sense? I won't ask you to name names, but just do you have a sense at the, you know, at the high level, at the studio level, is there is there fear about the theatrical experience going away? Do do you think that like do do people think that it is obviously, you know, very challenging couple of years with the pandemic, but does it come back? I I have not in my, you know, anecdotal dealings with uh, you know, various studios. I, I don't there has not been any fear that I've noticed about theatrical experience. I think the question is, which movies will work without it? And mm-hmm. what are what's the path for them, those movies to be successful? You know, the theatrical path still is a very clear one. Everyone knows how to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, whether the movie's gonna be successful or not, that comes down to so many factors, but you know the process. The process to make a movie successful on streaming is still, you know, in my vantage point, catches as catch can. You know, it's like each movie is a different different process and every movie has a different marketing publicity plan. So I think there is still some trepidation and or confusion about what are the things that need to happen to open a streaming movie successfully. So I have not seen any fear around theatrical distribution going away. If anything, I've seen more fear about the movies that are not going theatrically. How do we ensure that these films will be successful uh, from a streaming standpoint? Mm-hmm. That's good. That's great analysis. I appreciate it. On the television side, mm-hmm. I know that you have really um, been doing everything from um, some unscripted shows mm-hmm. for OWN. You've been doing, you know, big scripted projects for CBS, yep. where your company mm-hmm. has a deal at uh, a TV production deal yep. at CBS. Um, a gospel music show for BET Plus <laughs> yeah, called yeah, Kingdom Business. Yeah, very, we're in season very two. interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And a really nice range of things. Yes. How, how from the business side of doing business in television, is, do, are you finding it similar to features where everybody's kind of figuring it out show by show? Well, no, because so even though, let me, how do I articulate this? So like in film, mm-hmm. you know, the, the introduction of streaming and movies coming to that audience, to an audience, it's, it's a different way that the audience um, takes in a movie. Right. So it's a very different thing to go to a movie theater versus watching it at home. Mm-hmm. Whereas in television, you're always used to being at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. whether it's streaming or whether it's on a network, the audience that you're programming for 
is already predispositioned to see that content mm -hmm. in the medium that streaming is providing it. Mm -hmm. So it's a so it's a different thing. So so it's actually a, on some level easier mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it's like okay, yes, of course the economics have to make sense and you know the Cassie has to make sense and whatnot, but it's the 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 decision making process around making a series in my experience is a little more clear than the decision making process around certain films. And in my experience being a producer, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to expand uh, into television, one is because I'm passionate about stories and I, I not every story can be told only in, you know, two, two and a half hour, maybe three mm -hmm. hour film. <laughs> three uh, hours seems to be I the know, new normal. I know, the new, I know, right? But exactly. Flame and Hot, I noticed the running time on that is a nice, you're just yes, under two hours. That's right. And yeah, we, we like worked that. hard to get under two. Uh, we're mindful of people's time. Um, <laughs> Thank you. You know, of course. Uh, so, so for me, I wanted to get into television because there are other stories that I wanted to tell mm -hmm. that television was, was more suited for. And uh, that process of TV because there's so many scripts, you know, it's like, it's great and it's also difficult in that there's so much television development that, you know, it's still very difficult to get something made. However, you get answers faster. So you know if you're gonna sell a pilot, you know if you're gonna get commissioned to write you know, the pilot, you know if your pilot's gonna get made, you know if your pilot's not gonna get picked up. And all of these things happen relatively within you know, its span of a couple months mm -hmm. once you're going to market with the project and you sell it. Whereas with film, I mean, going back to Flaming Hot, I have been working on Flaming Hot for six or seven years. And and when it was going to get made and how it was going to get made was always, we didn't know. So one of the things I love about television is that the decision-making process is, even with the, the introduction of streaming, in my experience, decision-making process hasn't changed that much. Uh, and if anything, it's more clarifying to know if something's going or if it's not going, whereas in features, it's very different. <laughs> it's a little more, little more opaque and a little... Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. Tell me, what was the spark for you on Flaming Hot? What what drew you to that story? You, um, you know, I am in this business to make uh, uplifting stories. That's why I'm here. You know, I want, I've always wanted to use... Bless you. We need more. We need <laughs> more. You. We need more. Amen. Keep saying it. Amen. Um, you know, that's why I'm here. I want to make movies that can uplift the human spirit. And, uh, you know, my father, I'm from Oakland, California, and my father died of a heart attack when I was nine years old. Uh, and he was 36 uh, years old. And my mother didn't have money for therapy. So my therapy became watching movies and TV shows and going to church. Mm -hmm. And, you know, movies like Rocky and The Color Purple and Back to the Future, uh, they gave me, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, it gave me a lot of hope as a kid. And and when I and I could see myself in those characters and 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 their ability to endure difficulty and still prevail, and I I was so inspired by those experiences, I just felt like oh I got to be a part of Hollywood, like I want to be a part mm -hmm. of the business that's that's you know here to create that magic, mm -hmm. and uh, and so that was the mission statement from a, from when I was a teenager that I want to go to Hollywood, I want to make inspirational, aspirational, uplifting films. And so to answer your question, once I met with Richard Montañez and his wife, Judy Montañez, uh, and they told me their story, mm -hmm. I, I, as soon as they finished telling me their story, I just felt like, well, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm in this business. I'm in this business for people like them. You know, people who have great stories 
that the stories need to, one, be memorialized, because once you make a film, it's eternal. So memorialize no <laughs> these great stories. And two, help bring people hope in, in the form of great stories that happen to be true. And so when, what, what struck me about the story was just, you know, Richard's tenacity, uh, his perseverance, mm -hmm. uh, you know, starting at Frito-Lay as a janitor mm -hmm. and not allowing that title to stop him from dreaming and thinking, uh, you know, uh, in a way that others would get, say, well, you can't think like that because you're a janitor. And he would, his thing response was like, well, why not? You know, and to see all that he had to endure, the difficulties, the heartache, the hardship, uh, the discrimination, all of those things, and still keep a positive dis disposition, keep showing up, and in the process, do something historic. Uh, and then their marriage, you know, didn't suffer because of it. Mm -hmm. So there were so many aspects to the story, but it was, it was those specifics that I connected to. And after he told me his story, both as they both told me their story, as soon as the meeting was done, I said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm, I don't know how I'm gonna do it, but I, I guarantee you we're gonna get this done. <laughs> Yeah. I love that drive. Well, I also love that it's a positive business story. Mm -hmm. Usually the business stories that make it to the screen are the spectacular <laughs> failures, the WeWorks, the uh -huh. Enrons. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more from Flamin' Hot producer Devon Franklin. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. And we're back with more from Franklin Entertainment head Devon Franklin. 
you have a very active part of your business yeah. is being a motivational speaker, being an author, talking yes. about your story and yes. why you do what you do. Yes. How, why is that, why has that been important to you? Why have you, mm -hmm. as you have been very successful in Hollywood, you have maintained that part of yeah. your overall overall business mm -hmm. and, and it, it obviously is meaningful to you. It is, it is. You know, um, going back to, you know, what, what kind of got me through the tragedy of losing my father, it was, it was church, it was ministry and movies. And, and those two became my passions. And, you know, I never, uh, I never thought about like how that would impact me professionally at the time, I mean, like being a teenager. <laughs> at I never, nine years old. <laughs> yeah, I just never thought about any of that. I just was like, oh, I really love movies and I, I love ministry and I love church. And, you know, I gave my first sermon when I was 15 years old. And, you know, people were like, oh, you know, you need to preach. And I was like, well, I can preach. I said, but I'm going to Hollywood. You know, and my uncle, who was the pastor, he would be like, well, you, you know, you can run, but you can't hide. And I said, well, I'm going to run real fast because <laughs> I'm not trying to be, you know, uh, uh, I'm not trying to be a pastor, which, you know, a pastor to me is someone who has a local congregation that they're responsible to. Uh, and that's very important, you know. And so I may have the gift of preaching, but I'm not, you know, technically a pastor. My younger mm -hmm. brother is. He's mm -hmm. the pastor of our church uh, in Oakland that I grew up in. And so long story short, for me, as I came into the business, um, my first job, I got an internship. When I was going, I went to USC uh, as a business major, film minor, and I got an internship interview for uh, the company that managed Will Smith and Jada. And, oh, uh -huh. and it, it was called Handprint. The company's no longer around, but right. Handprint and the principals were like Benny Medina and James Lasseter and Jeff Pollock. Right, who went on to Overbrook. Yes, that's right, that's yeah, right, exactly. that's right. So in that, in that first interview, um, the office manager that was interviewing me, she, you know, she asked me why I wanted to be in entertainment. And I told her, I said, I want to be in entertainment to make change. I believe entertainment is the most powerful medium in the world. And I told her, I said, if I can be a part of it, I think I can change people's lives for the better. And then at the end of the interview, she said, is there anything else you want me to know? I said, well, I said, I observe the Sabbath. I said, so Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown, I don't work. I said, so if taking the internship would require me to work, I'm not going to take it. And so she was like, oh, okay. And then she said, all right, well, no problem. We'll work around it. And I got the internship, and that internship basically was the key that unlocked my entire career. But what I understood at that point in time was like, oh, I just have to be true to myself mm. and what I believe and let whatever's meant to be, be. And I wasn't going in there trying to manipulate, you know, the interview to get the job. I just was honest, like, hey, you know, and I was communicating that, oh, my faith is important to me. Mm -hmm. And, and ultimately, what I was also communicating is that my faith is actually going to help you. Why? Because I'm a person that is, is integral. I'm a person of character. I'm a person where I have other things besides this business, you know. Um, so in those things, I didn't even know I was communicating. So to answer, you know, your question, it has been organic, you know, that these areas are my passions and being able to help people, you know, in the form of, you know, being on stage or being in a pulpit and articulating these different themes and providing guidance as, you know, as I'm learning how to live this thing called life and then mm -hmm. sharing what I've learned. Uh, it's, it, it all goes hand in hand, right? Because even when I'm speaking, I'm still telling stories mm -hmm. and I'm using stories mm -hmm. to articulate instruction and how to navigate difficult moments. So, you know, some may look at it and say, oh, these things don't fit. But to me, they fit, they fit completely well, not only because they're my passions, but it's all still the, the, the bedrock built upon storytelling.
It says so much about you that it came to you at you know nine years old. What, what where you wanted to put your where, yeah. you know where where you were looking for for your path. But it also says so much that you could come to Hollywood and where people do anything to <laughs> right. break in, and you knew yourself enough and knew 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 what you needed to be successful and yes. could articulate that at the intern stage. I, yes. I think that, and you're right. Whoever probably thought if he can articulate that at that stage. Right. He knows what it, you know. He knows he knows who he is, and he knows who he wants to be. Yeah, so that thank is you. A, you know, and the interesting thing about that is every job that I have taken in the business, I always let them know. I mean, even when I was a studio executive uh, at Columbia Pictures, you know, I, before I took that job, I mean, a, you know, Amy Pascal knew, you know, Doug Belgrad knew, and truly, <laughs> don't it, send me the grosses <laughs> on Friday night because I'm not. They gonna... <laughs> would know literally, like they, any movie I worked on, they knew that my phone was going off. You know, I would turn it off when sun goes down Friday, and I wouldn't know how my movies were doing until I turned it back on uh, sundown on Saturday. And, and I would always know if it was a success just by how many emails and stuff would come through. And if it was only a few. I was like, oh, man, we missed it. Um, but, that, but, but then also when you look at just even the movies that I did at Sony and then the movies that I'm doing now, uh, I didn't know, again, that like, okay, me being who I am and having these passions can actually improve someone's bottom line. I mean, the first film I worked on for um, uh, for Amy was Pursuit of Happiness. Mm -hmm. And and that was a movie that was shot in Oakland, where I'm from. And obviously, I got my start working for you know Will and James Lasseter. Uh, when I graduated college, I was James Lasseter's uh, assistant for mm -hmm. two years. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to work on that film was great to be able to you know, service them, but it also was a film, once we saw the first cut, like it just was so emotional. We all were, you know, literally like in tears in the theater. And I said, well, if this movie could help me, and I'm a, I'm a person of faith, I believe it can help a lot of people of faith. Mm -hmm. And so at that time I put together a whole marketing campaign and I didn't know that CEs didn't do marketing at the time. I didn't know that. <laughs> so I just said, well, you know, here's what I would do. If we were going to take the message of, of hope and inspiration in this film to a core audience that wants it. And I said, here's what we do. And the studio bought into it and was able, I was able to take Will on the road to a number of events and mm -hmm. churches. And, mm -hmm. and long story short, it was very successful. And that was when I think, you know, the powers that be said, oh, wow, okay, got it. So there's something here that we're missing. Right. That there's an audience we're not serving. And for me, what I do is not even about the business. It's about the people. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, somebody's going to see, see Pursuit of Happiness, and it's going to change the trajectory of their life. Somebody's going to see Flaming Hot, and instead of you know literally saying, I can't make it, they're going to see the movie and say, oh, I can do it now because he did it. So for me, it's about the people and using all of these things that I've been privileged to do from writing books to producing TV and movies and being in movies, you know, all of these avenues to me, it's still the same thesis. How do we help people and how do we bring them hope? Mm -hmm. And uh, you might be interested to know, we did a story, um, it was a couple of years ago about what are the some of the most aired movies on television mm. and pursuit of happiness was was oh i'm sure up, was up there it, i'm sure it's, it's it's running somewhere i mean that is i mean look i love will and i've been able to work on a lot of his films that's my favorite what do you find is the appetite right now for things that are either a little more you know overtly or explicitly faith-based versus thing versus versus you know, stories that have inspiration, that have uplift mm -hmm. to them, but aren't maybe not as directly 
focused on mm-hmm. a on a faith experience. So, like in terms of appetite in the marketplace, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's such an interesting question mm-hmm. because when you look at the marketplace right now, it's like I would say over the past you know five years at least you know the desire for studios to make faith-based films has gone down mm-hmm. you know as, as kind sub- of my, my sense substantially yeah um and, and uh, at a time when you would think it would be going I, up <laughs> i know <laughs> but, but, but here's what happens in my experience that this business tends to look at faith and i don't think this is a good thing tends to look at faith through the lens, through a political lens Mm-hmm. And 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 I think that sometimes the o- the only way that people in the business understand faith is through what may be put on CNN or Fox News, and so as a result of of you know um, the politicization of this audience, I think it makes those decision makers hesitant about programming for an audience that could be on the wrong side of whatever political agenda. Yeah. Is being um, is being serviced, and so as a result, over the years, you know, like when you look at, you know, when Obama was in office and whatnot, and then as Trump came in, just speaking very frank, that changed the tide, right? Because mm-hmm. so much of you know Trump's success had a lot to do with you know his connection with the evangelical world, which is obviously a faith, you know, major faith community in our culture in our in our country, and as a result, I think a lot of Hollywood decision makers started to pull back on mm-hmm. making you know a lot of faith-based films. In addition to, because the faith-based space was so hot, there were a lot of faith films that got made uh, you know, from a major studio and independently that did not work at the box office. Uh, if anything, there may have been an oversaturation. Right. So it was a combination, I think, of what was happening you know, politically. Uh, and again, that's just my assessment. And then I think it was also the fact that the business itself uh, seemed to be, you know, not as lucrative as it once was, and as a result, the desire to have faith films over the past few years has waned. Now, with that being said, um, you know, recently there was the the Jesus Revolution film that came out mm-hmm. um, that Lionsgate distributed because Lionsgate has been very clear: we're in the faith based business. They have a deal with. Uh, my buddies, uh, the Irwin brothers, they run mm-hmm. Kingdom Story Company. Right, right. And uh, they've done a lot of successful films in the faith-based space. And Lionsgate, you know, funds their company and says, we're in this business. And they've made multiple films with them. And Jesus Revolution is so far the most successful film. And it lets people know, like, oh, wow, there's an audience out here uh, that wants to see films like this. And so I think that has restarted the conversation in the business. And then also, you know, I've met with various streamers. And, you know, the thing about streamers is they have access to research, uh, consumer research, um, even more so than, in my experience, dealing with traditional studios. And what I've been surprised to discover is that a lot of streamers, based upon their consumer research, their findings are, oh, wow, people want more content that's uplifting, that's faith, that has faith, that has spirituality. Whoa. However, there's still been a disconnect between the data and the decision to do it. And that's mm-hmm. where I try to come in and provide the solution. Because any great movie, to me, doesn't matter if you had that experience. Doesn't matter if you even agree with the character. You can still relate. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have had the experience, you know, of... Um, uh, when I think of Rocky, you don't have to have had the experience of being a boxer to understand what it feels like to be an underdog. 
So the nuance that I try to do in with the films that I that I produce, and even the move the shows that I produce is okay. There's a core audience that I know wants this movie. So like, let's take uh, Flame and Hot. There's a core audience that that I know is going to respond to that film. But there's also people that may never see the film if they think it's for a core audience, but if they think, oh, wow, I heard this is an inspirational film, I'm going to see it. So there have to be universal themes with the specific story that help transcend the genre. Mm -hmm. So when I did Miracles from Heaven, it was like, okay, how many people can relate to having a child that has an incurable disease, the child falls down a tree, inside of a tree, hits her head three times, and the disease is gone. And she talks about how she went to heaven. How many people can relate to that? Nobody, right? <laughs> but you can relate to the idea that when we go through hard times, it's our community that helps us through. Right. And when you see that film, it's all about the power of community. And being a parent and that be, has a, with a child that has something that you can't easily fix. That's right. A that's lot right. of us can relate to that. That's right. That's right. So for me, it was like, okay, we're going to keep it specific enough that a faith audience would, or family audience would watch the film and say, oh, Yes, this movie is helping with my faith. But the themes are so universal that anybody watching the film can come to it and say, wow, that was a good movie. So for me, that's the nuance. And I feel like it's, it's, we're, at a, we're at a good point where I think things are really getting, you know, picking back up in terms of momentum. Um, but I still think there's a step in this direction of really planting the flag for this audience that this business has not just yet done. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, the examples that you mentioned Pursuit of Happiness, um, Flame and Hot, other you know other things that you've done are really good examples of. I think some people think many people think faith based. They think it's going to be a sermon. Yeah, and, it's going to be dogmatic, very no. sugary, and mm -hmm. very like yes, that's not true. You know, full of cliches, frankly. It's not true. And it's and I was I mean I think that you have shown that there, those stories are broader and that the faith based community can handle more than I think most studio executives probably give yeah. them credit for. And, and also, you know, this is going to sound completely crazy, but do you know like what the biggest faith-based franchise is ever? Star Wars. <laughs> Think exactly. about it. Exactly. You use the force, Luke. What exactly. is that? Believe in something you cannot see. Right. That is faith. Fight for something bigger than <laughs> yourself. That, 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 that's faith, it's okay? So true. And the reason why that franchise franchise has endured, you know, and, and become what it is for 40 going on 50 years is because when you see that first film, you are inspired. And any child, any adult can watch that movie and watch those movies and say, wow, right, I got to believe in the unseen. You know, I got to walk by faith. I got to, and you don't even realize that that's what it is, but that's what it is. So, you know, my goal is to expand the how people are looking at what we call faith and expand what people believe is possible when it comes to inspiration and aspiration and and flaming hot is just an example of of that and and what i want to do going forward thanks for listening be sure to leave us a review at apple podcast or amazon music we love to hear from listeners Please go to Variety.com and sign up for the free weekly Strictly Business newsletter. And don't forget to tune in next week for another episode of Strictly Business. Hey. 
Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 